Hey, diverse book lovers, welcome to this month's episode of Getting Lit, a monthly podcast dedicated to highlighting the diverse lit coming out for the month. Y'all, it has been a minute and I'm so thankful to all of the messages and the love that you guys sent me on Instagram, through email and all of that good stuff. I've read so many great reviews and I just wanted to share one in particular that I received from Cassandra in Illinois. This podcast is the truth. Lala keeps you informed and updated on all things books. Her voice is soothing and her content always hits the spot. She has helped me reignite my passion for books. Getting Lit is more than a podcast for me. It is like catching up with an old friend and getting lit. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much to Cassandra in Illinois. And thank you guys so much, everybody else who has left a review. I read them all and I love them. I appreciate you guys so much. So today we are going to be talking about all the books coming out in November that you should add to your list. And also I'll be talking to Liz Falarin, the founder of the BIPOC bookcase. And of course, we'll be talking about books and so much more. So stay tuned for that near the end of the episode. So let's get into it. My name is Lala, as you know, and you can find me on Instagram at This Black Girl Reads. And on today's show, we'll discuss a book that looks at race, culture, and entertainment, an anthology that brings together an all-star cast of Latinx writers, a little bit of urban fiction, and what it takes to be a Black woman just trying to make it, a West African mythology remake of The Little Mermaid with a little bit of a twist, and a hookup that goes a little left. So without any further ado, y'all, let's get lit. So the first book we're discussing today is Entertaining Race by Michael Eric Dyson, and it comes out on November 2nd. So I feel like at this point, if you haven't read any of Dyson's work, you are sleeping. Michael Eric Dyson is um, an American academic. He's an author. He's a radio host. He's also a professor of sociology at Georgetown University, but more importantly, he is a profound voice on community and culture in North America. So for me, I absolutely love Michael Eric Dyson. I've read so many of his books and I've seen him speak and his voice is so rich and so profound. So this book in particular is a collection of essays, letters, or perhaps it's better to say sermons. They are powerful, moving, and thought-provoking. Dyson, just doing what he does, he preaches and he teaches through examples in the culture. And he discusses the phenomenon that is Beyonce in this book. There's also a really powerful essay that I enjoyed about Al Sharpton. He goes into a deep analysis of Nas's One Love and One Mic, and also discusses how Alan Iverson changed the face of the NBA. So this book is packed with so many punches, packed with so many anecdotes, and I just really, really loved it the way I enjoy most of his books. So this one is called Entertaining Race by Michael Eric Dyson, and it comes out on November 2nd. 
So the second book on our list today is Wild Tongues Can't Be Tamed, 15 Voices from the Latinx Diaspora, and it comes out on November 2nd. So this one is an anthology, and it is edited by the Bronx's reading founder, Sarah Cia Fennell, and it features essays by all-star Latinx writers, including one of my faves, Elizabeth Acevedo, Nema Coster, Meg Medina, and so many more. And truthfully, it's very much a celebration of the rich and diverse Latinx community. So this collection for me had so much depth and gorgeous texture. Each essay is kind of like a personal exploration of the Latinx diaspora from the writer's point of view and their lived experience. There are essays on beauty, there are essays on alcoholism, colorism, proximity to whiteness, mental health and the stigma. There are essays on relationships with fathers, uncles and in-laws. What I loved most and I found added a little bit more depth is that many of the writers were simultaneously sharing their exploration of the Black diaspora and all the stereotypes and racism and biases of identity confusion. Personally, I don't remember ever reading a book with so much like Afro-Latinx representation. So that was like very refreshing and really, really interesting. And I was definitely here for it. The only thing I will say about this collection is that I was expecting it to be more like YA kind of feel, but I think that some of the topics and the content felt heavier than it would be for like a young adult. So that's the only thing. I didn't mind it, but I just thought it would be YA. So that one is called Wild Tongues Can't Be Tamed, 15 Voices from the Latinx Diaspora, and it comes out on November 2nd. The next one is book number three, and it is called Single Black Female by Tracy Brown, and it comes out on November 2nd as well. So when I heard about this book, I was really excited because Tracy Brown, for me, her book White Lines was one of the first books that I truly like read more than once, and I truly fell in love with. And even though that was like way more over a decade now, And I will admit, I still have room in my reading life for urban fiction, because that's definitely what this is. It's urban fiction, which not many people can get into, but I like to read urban fiction sometimes. So that was one of my first loves. And I still love that book, White Lines. I still have it on my bookshelf and I'll sift through it and whatever. So I don't tend to read a lot of urban fiction anymore, but something can be said about the genre. So Single Black Female follows the lives of Evie, Coco, Deja, and Nikki as they navigate through the ups and downs of life. While they all have their own stuff going on, they make sure that they're there for each other. And at first it's a little confusing to me to keep track of all the characters, but eventually became more clear. This book addresses racism, single motherhood, relationships, interracial couples, and the effects of Black fathers in the prison system. So this one is called Single Black Female by Tracy Brown, and it comes out on November 2nd.
The next book on the list is probably one of my favorite from this month. It's called Skin of the Sea by Natasha Bowen and it comes out on November 9th. So first of all, this cover is so gorgeous. I haven't seen a cover like this that I've loved so much in a long time. So check out the cover of this book. Go on my Instagram and check it out. It is gorgeous. So anyways, this is an imaginative take on the Little Mermaid um, fairy tale weaved into kind of the lush West African mythology kind of twist. So we follow Simadeli, who is a Mami Wata, and that is um, a spirit whose purpose is to gather the souls of those who pass in the sea to bless them and help them return to Oludumare. So Simi was made into a Mami Wata taking the form of a mermaid after she departed her past mortal life. So one day, Simi is swimming in the sea, seeking out souls to collect, but she discovers a boy who has fell from um, a slaver ship and was drowning to his death. So instead of waiting for his death, Simi rescues him. The boy's name is Kola, and she rescues Kola, un unknowingly breaking an ancient decree not of they like not interfering in human life. So by her interfering and saving Kola, it could mean the end of her kind, the Mami Wata. So to remedy this grave mistake, she embarks on a journey with Kola to save her kind and Kola's world. So there are so many things that I loved about this book. The fact that this is a fantasy novel with a black mermaid who is gorgeous, who is the star of the show, the amount of African mythology and magical creatures I learned about from this book was really phenomenal. I love the way it weaved kind of aspects of history and culture into the story. The story itself is so beautifully written and I felt like absolutely enthralled into this world that the author has created. I love the detailed setting and the spectacular world that she has built. So this one is totally beautiful. I love this book. It is called Skin of the Sea by Natasha Bowen and it comes out on November 9th. The next book on the list for this month is The Hookup Dilemma by Constance Gillum, and it comes out on November 16th. So what's this one about? So after meeting at a bar and hooking up soon after, Rashida and Elliot soon realize that they are on opposite sides of like this gentrification project. So Rashida is a food critic who is fighting for her grandma's home and her childhood community. Well, Elliot is an architect trying to run his own business and kind of fill in for his dad who's recovering from a heart attack while also fighting to keep his dad's company afloat. At first, I thought this book was going to be kind of like an enemy to lovers type of situation, kind of rom-com, but I would describe it more as two people kind of just fighting for what they believe in, but also fighting for a relationship that they know is worth it. So I really enjoyed the way that this book 
took a look at gentrification and the implications and threats it poses to kind of marginalized and vulnerable populations. It was clear that the author did a lot of research and provided great insight into the topic, which I truly appreciated. Overall, I like this book. I will say though that the pacing at certain points was a little bit slow, but I absolutely love like the spicier moments and the spicier scenes that really added intrigue to the characters and to the story. So this one is called The Hookup Dilemma by Constance Gillum, and it comes out on November 16th. So the last book on the list, I didn't know if I was going to include this book because I didn't get to start it. Well, I started it, but I didn't get to finish it. But I will mention it because I'm so looking forward to finishing this book. I'm kind of like maybe only 20% in, but it's called The Teller of Secrets by Bissy Ajapon, and it comes out on November 16th. So in this debut, it's a tale of kind of self-discovery and feminist awakening. This Nigerian Ghanaian girl is growing up a bit some political upheaval in the late 1960s in post-colonial Ghana. So she begins to question the hypocrisy of the patriarchal society and the restrictions of unrealistic expectations that are placed on women. And it is so fascinating and so intriguing and I'm just totally enthralled in it already. But that is all I can say because I haven't read the whole thing yet. But it's called The Teller of Secrets by Bissy Ajapon and it comes out on November 16th. There are so many books that I wanted to read for this episode that I just didn't get to. And there are so many other great books coming out in November. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see that I've posted a lot on my stories, all the books that are coming out in November that you should have kind of on your list, on your radar. So you'd be able to find a couple there as well. So check that out. So as I said earlier in the show, I sat down with Liz Falarin. So let's get to that conversation. Let's go. So I'm so happy to have Liz Falarin on the show today. Liz, who is the creator of the BIPOC bookcase, has over a decade of experience working with children as a social worker. In this capacity, she has seen the impacts of institutional and structural racism and has tirelessly campaigned and advocated for children and youth. Liz's passion, though, and commitment for anti-racist education and systematic group theory is reflected in her role as visiting lecturer and anti-racist trainer at various organizations across the United Kingdom. At the heart of her organization is an online book club where individuals around the world of all hues read books by BIPOC authors. I love it. The aim is to combat the narratives fed by mainstream media about racialized groups. And of course, that's how we met. And I'm so thankful that she agreed to come on the podcast. So without any further introduction, please welcome Liz Falarin to the show. Liz, welcome to Getting Lit. Getting Lit. 
tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. First of all, Lala, I need to know, can I swear on this or not? <laughs> you, if you feel like it. <laughs> okay, because I, I don't want you to be going through this with loads of... <laughs> no, <sweater>. you're good. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, great. I don't want parents to be appalled. But um, you gave me a big hype introduction and I'm just <laughs> a random girl. No, um, girl. Stop that. I'm a random um, something to someone somewhere, I'm sure. But just like, thank you so much. I'm just so happy to be on your platform. As I'm sure most people can tell by my accent, I'm um, British. I'm from London, South East. For those who know anything about South London, about London, South East is the best. And I'm just passionate about books. Particularly yeah. um, BIPOC books, for those that don't know, and um, Black Indigenous people of colour books and anti-racism. And I'm just really just happy to be here. And I'm looking forward to just us getting to it, right? Yeah, As- and, t- and talking okay. about what we're passionate about, the books, right? Mm. so I've been following you I look at your content it is like dope I'm always learning stuff from your content I'm always finding new books from your content so tell me exactly how you got started on the platform on Instagram how did you get started what was your drive to get started I was born born reading I come from a very a long lineage of ferocious readers, my parents, particularly my father. But for me, I'm sure like a lot of bookstagrammers or people who just love books, it's just been, it's part of who I am. It's part of my personality. And I've always been the kind of person that always been saying to my friends, what are you reading? I'm reading this. You've got to read this. But I think for me, and I'm sure is momentum. It was such an important time. Rest in power. When George Floyd died, I just wanted to do something different. I just wanted to contribute what I could to this internet space. And it actually started off because I teach anti-racist practice online. I have like an online anti-racist book club. And then even though we're talking about white supremacy and anti-racism, I also wanted to ensure that I could diversify the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, just didn't want it to be just our sorrow stories or our war stories. And, you know, I'm luckyish, I guess, that I have a quite a diverse um, members club and quite a lot of them are white right? and they don't really know much about black culture or the intrinsic yeah. culture. And I just feel like I didn't want to continue to just be like, this is why white people are bad, even though there are reasons why white people are bad or historically anyway. I want to be like, well, you know what? Black men and women, we like to laugh, black joy. And I wanted to represent that via yeah. the book I started yeah. a year ago. Yes. Oh, I, I love that answer because a lot of people when the whole George Floyd thing happened, a lot of people were searching for answers, especially a lot of white people, right? And I don't know about you, but I got so many DMs about what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What should I read? What should I read? What should I read? And that's like, I still get those questions now. I don't know. How do you go about answering that question? White people step into your space and ask you to kind of educate them. I think the most powerful thing you said is, your space, who we want to in that space, and the work of anti-racism or just talking about blackness can be emotionally draining. And we're not here to be performing chimps, my, my language, for white people to feel better or absolve themselves. And to me, I'm very selective. I'm very selective. Sometimes I may answer, sometimes I don't. And, and I just think as well, that's why this bookstagram space or internet space is so powerful because you put out there what you want people to learn and understand. I'm not going to be giving you your own personal class. Yes. Yeah. So what I put out there on on social media or my website is enough. You need to go and be proactive and not just use the black pain and labor to understand. Also, it is mainly it's about them trying to understand. It's more about I think sometimes absorbing themselves of their guilt. I've I've spoken to a black person 
I feel a bit better. Mm-hmm. Back, what back to fourth wave fem- feminism or exactly? Capital- yeah. So let's get into the books, okay? Yes. yes. So when it comes to recommending books, really looking at the books that really push the conversation forward, what would be some of the books that you recommend? And I know when people ask me this question, to be honest, Liz, I'm just like, um, because there are so many, right? And how do I just say, okay, you should read this book, this book, this, but there are always maybe like five or six books that I personally recommend. I just want to know what you recommend. Um, I ain't going to lie. It depends on a lot of different things. My emotions, my hormone levels, what I've read. <laughs> what I'm, you know I'm saying it depends, isn't it? It does. I, I can't. And also as well, I'm not trying to commit blasphemy to this. There's so much work out there that even I haven't discovered. So I don't feel like yes. I, this is my six. Mm-hmm. The best books I have not yet read. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there have been yardsticks along my own j- personal journey. But just books, like again, I like I said, I do have a book club, and one book that I read and my book club read that touched us so much was um Stay With Me by Ayobami Adibayo. Oh my god, right? La la see your face. That book, oh my I love that book. Do you know, like when I think in terms of like books I want to read again for the first time? Yes. And have that same feeling, Stay With Me is one of them. That, I love that book. Why? Why for you was it that it touched you? For me, I really find myself obsessed with like Nigerian and African cultures. And I don't know why. I read a lot of, especially Nigerian lit, right? Yes. And just seeing a woman in that space and going through something that I could be technically going through, that loss that pain and going through that and how she had to kind of navigate her marriage, how she had to navigate the pressures of society, how she had to navigate kind of the narratives that other people put on her. Mm -hmm. I just love that book. What do you think? I know not to spoil it for those who haven't read it, but what did you think of the ending? Were you satisfied by that ending? Was I satisfied by the ending? Yes and no. Mm. Yes and no. You know, sometimes we're seeking like these perfect endings Mm. and I hate to give away books. That's why I'm not going to say too much (laughs) because I feel like someone's going to come in my DMs and be like, okay, you wrecked the ending for me. But I think everyone should just read Stay With Me. It is Mm. one of those books that have actually stayed with me. You know, those books that stays with you in your heart. That's definitely a book that has stayed with me. And you know the um, daughter is actually called Roti Me, and um, I am Yoruba, and Roti Me actually means "stay with me" in English. Mm, okay. Um, so it was like a nice thought, full circle. I was like, ah, yeah. that's why Roti Me. But um, I am by background. Oh, I didn't even know. Look race. at that! I didn't even know that. Yeah, man, my people, like we are. Yes. As bank scammers, we are also creative artists. Um, we know for our four one nine, we are. <laughs> Now. But that is, but even being a four one nine, that is creative. That is art. It is. It really is. And you know, Yoruba demons. Not all Nigerian men. But we'll, anyway, talk, sorry. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> both, 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 both. Oh my god. Um. So yeah. That book is powerful for me. And I think for me, one. And I'm going to talk about it a bit later. But just about stereotypes and the pressures that we we all have to conform. And what mm-hmm. I 
a book is that it turned what you kind of thought was going to be a married couple trying for baby it couldn't work and again and um, what I loved about was the depiction of I forgot his name but the husband and his role that he played and about masculinity and that's why again just connecting to one of my key books I love is all about love by bell hooks which mm-hmm. talks and how harmful that is particularly in a black community and how we need to change the way our communication styles so that to me was look this is how patriarchy has damaged a marriage an individual the fact that he Mm -hmm. couldn't tell his own truth but like I said we don't want to spoil it for those so those books are um I just think really amazing obviously I am raised in Britain and I love um Leonie Ross she's a um, British writer I mean because one thing I have to say some of the best books are Nigerian, some of the best books I read are American, but mm. I just the black British experience isn't always promoted enough. Mm-hmm. I think we just kind of get swamped with America. Obviously, it's a bigger country. We are just one little tiny island, even though we did conquer the world um, many centuries ago. But I just wanted to just like to pay some homage to some amazing British writer, Leonie Ross. She wrote short stories, mm-hmm. like Sing Anyway, and she's got a recent book. She came out in, in April. And um, it was just amazing. It's about the power of the pum pum for the Caribbeans out there. And again, just about the magical and mystical element that we don't always see in black fiction, really. So it's called um, This One Sky Day for those who want to. So I just love that. In America, it's called Poppy Shaw, P-O-P-I-S-H-O. I think the American release is called that. In, Amer- in Britain, it's This One Sky Day. And Again, it's an amazing book. And something that um, N.K. Jemison said in one of her short stories, How Long Till Black Future Month, in her like um, prologue, she talked about how blackness or the black race, we don't, we're not often featured in futurism. Mm-hmm. I maybe Black Panther was such a, an amazing spectacle because we yeah. were now acting in a strong space in fantasy, in futurism. And I just think because we're too busy trying to survive today and we're still trying to get over the trauma bonds of what our ancestors got on, we don't look to the future. Who's done it from a sci-fi point and Yoni Ross, who's done it from like a magical realism. Um, it's really important. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. But my book lately that I can't stop raving about is Kiese Lehman. He's one of your people. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've read the book. No, I haven't. Oh my God, it's an American memoir. He's amazing. Um, he's actually come to my book club. And the book is, again, it's just about turning patriarchy, what it is to be a man in America. Mm-hmm. And the terminology heavy is about him being heavy in weight, but also the heaviness of growing up in a very racist society. of that impacts on your relationships with your family and even loved ones and ultimately with yourself. And these books really highlighted, they're a bit just different. They're not the typical fiction. They yeah. always be something to go away with and hopefully smash some of the stereotypes that they have. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is the key, smashing those stereotypes and really holding up a mirror to the stereotypes that people walk around with every day. Um, yes. I get this question a lot. So if you could give people like a few tips on... Like, how do you go about diversifying your book list? How do you do that? If someone is reading the same kind of books all the time, or if it is someone in the white community or whatever, because we even have people in our Black community that don't read Black lit, right? So how can they go about diversifying their book list? I promise you I will answer, but why do you think some people from the Black community don't read Black lit? I think a lot of times they're 
A, not aware of it. Because as you know, like when it comes to marketing books and when it comes to pushing certain books, a black author, especially a black female author, won't get the push that a white female author would get. So when Mm -hmm. you're going into the bookstore and you're looking for a book, unless you know what you're looking for, the books that are in front of you are not necessarily the books that are going to diversify and expand your thinking. They're just a specific voice. Mm -hmm. Even like growing up in school, like in school, the books that they gave us to read, those weren't Mm -hmm. books that really push any kind of conversation other than a white male perspective. Absolutely. That's my opinion and what I've learned, right? Because when I first started really wanting to dig deep into diversifying my own reading, Mm. I had to do the work and I had to do the research and I had to really, really dig to find all the authors that I wanted to really focus on. So I think you definitely have to do the work, but some people just can't, right? When you were digging, was it an enjoyable experience for you? It was to me because I'm a seeker Mm. of information. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think first of all, it's about mindset and recognizing where we're at. I mean, obviously, I'm in Britain, so it is queen and country. It's a white, it's white man's land, isn't it? And first of all, I would just say is that we got to understand that we need to combat the white gaze. Mm-hmm. And society, what we realize being white is the base level, isn't it? Um, there's a saying I'm sure I heard it from America, which is like, if it ain't white, it ain't right. Joe saying, and I think there is this. Um, perception that if it isn't written by Shakespeare or someone posh of a white name then what we're reading is subpar and I think historically as well as much as I, I love Zane back in the day when we did get black literature when I was growing up in the mid-90s it was just about sex wasn't it it was yes. like wait for your parents to go to bed and then you- <laughs> it's Ooh. so true you know what I mean? It was Zane. That's all I knew. Yeah. Like, like my British white library, the only books they were talking about for black, black authors was I Know Where the Cage Bird Sing by Maya Angelou because we kind of had to touch on it in school and Zane. Mm-hmm. That was it. And if, if you've had this experience of growing up of black books being quite illicit and hypersexual, then when you become an adult and you develop your taste, you kind of push it aside. But you have to realise that, again, like you said, the marketing isn't there. We need to combat the white gaze. And also as well, we just need to understand that um, I don't think it's hard work. What is your genre? If you like sci-fi, Google black sci-fi writers. Like, mm-hmm. it's a big issue. But I think what the issue is, is about people have to realise that change is a form of loss. And to change your taste or the authors that you read, you have to give something up. You have to physically give up the type of books you like, physically give up having a perception and then engage with that. And I think from loss comes growth. And also as well, I'm not saying everyone wants to have children, whatever, but we're in a society now that finally, as people of colour, we now have a voice. Let our voices not go to waste. Let it be reflected in every aspect, not just buy black, consume black. I am going to plug my book club. I have an online book club where I'd let them know what the books are. Your page, Lala, like you've, you're always reading and you're always posting. I've learned, I've got a lot of um, tips from your um, page. These, they're out there, but people need um, rolling in willful ignorance and just try something new. And guess what? You might try something new and be like, you know what? I didn't like that book. That's absolutely fine. But don't write, write off all black writers because you like one black book. Yeah. There's, millions there's plethoras there's plethora there absolutely oh my gosh I got so much good little tips from you today so is there anything else that we can add before we wrap it up 
I, I could continue this conversation forever. But is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I just think, again, passionate about reading, passionate about reading BIPOC authors. But my thing is that obviously we can't read away racism. We can't read away. We can't read away and become anti-racism, anti-racist. You know, we have to do a lot of the work, not just only in our homes under the cover of a book. We have to do it in our personal and professional and areas and spheres of influence. But I just want to say the reason why I'm so passionate about reading a book by people of colour is that if you just subscribe to the stereotypes of Black people, Indigenous people, then when they do get killed or in the Indigenous community go missing, you stop caring because you don't see them as fully dimensional people. You don't. If you have no exposure to these communities, then again, you're not going to care. Again, you're not going to share it on your end platforms. You're not going to engage in these atrocities that continue to happen on a daily basis. But by reading books by people of colour, by Indigenous people, what happens is that you get to understand a little bit more about their living experiences than someone's living experiences more. You therefore gain empathy. And via empathy, you start seeing the person as a whole being to just the hypersexual male or the mammy or the wanton Jezebel because we are more than that and a small way you can learn to see us as whole people is by reading books and experiencing life through our eyes and narrative yes thank you so much Liz for coming on the podcast I appreciate it so much thank you thank you thank you And we will definitely talk soon. I will continue to follow you on Instagram. Tell everybody your Instagram so they can follow you as well. Okay, guys, um, it is the BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C, bookcase. That is is me. Uh, My website is www.thebipocbookcase.org. And website and Instagram, you can join my book club. I'm always looking for new people. Yes. So follow her, follow her, follow her. Thank you so much, Liz, for being on the show. Thank you for your time. That was a lot. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Getting Lit podcast. Today, it was a packed show. So let me know what you guys think of the books that we talked about. Let me know what you guys thought of the interview. Thank you so much to Liz Valerian for coming on the show and for chatting about books. I totally appreciate it. And I know our listeners will appreciate it all the gems that she dropped, of course. So I'm Lala once again, and you can find me on Instagram at This Black Girl Reads. Don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. As I said, it is so appreciated. And of course, I would love to know what you guys are reading next. And if you picked up any of these books, remember all the links are in the show notes. Thank you guys for getting lit with me today. I am done. I am like, I cannot even talk anymore. Thanks for getting lit with me today. Remember, if you're reading what everyone else is reading, then you'll probably think the way everyone else is thinking.